BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. When they sent me the box with the foam sample in it, there was a note on top with like red writing and big exclamation points saying, don't look at the color, just test the foam. So what color could this be? So I, you know, opened the tissue inside and it was this beautiful, lovely, bright neon pink. And it just, it made me really happy. Hey guys, welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the best-selling beauty products and the damn good stories behind them. We're your hosts, Carlene Higgins and Jill Dunn. Hey guys, welcome back to Breaking Beauty Podcast. Hello, Carlene. Welcome Hi. home from holiday. Oh, thank you. Fresh from Muskoka. Yeah, you're looking glowy and good. Well, I've been floating on a lake and Aww. getting reckless under the sun. and So nice. Well, today I want to do a little throwback okay. on the episode. Let's get nostalgic. Yeah, because remember when we first started the podcast and we thought people need to know a little bit about us. How could I forget? So, it was in my basement with yeah. Pinot Grigio. Yeah, we didn't really know what we were doing, but we had a microphone and we had a bottle of wine. And we just hit upload up yeah. to iTunes. <laughs> and so if you guys want to go back and listen, you can. But um, essentially, we did a little rapid fire. Yeah. And you were asking me, well, what products you love. And I also asked you which beauty product you would have invented if you could. And the reason that that's relevant today is because I said beauty blender. Yes. And so today we are talking to the creator, the one and only Rianne Silva. She yep. invented the beauty blender back in 2002. Mm-hmm. I stand by my choice, by the way. I still wish I oh, had I believe invented it. it. Hey, I will be your model on QVC. <laughs> when you're ready, you just let me know. But yes, Rianne Silva is a massive celebrity makeup artist as well. She's been in the business for over 25 years. She's worked with everyone from the late Whitney Houston to Tracy Ellis Ross to Real Housewives star Erica Jane. And she's got big news right now too. Her influence as a makeup artist has now extended to everybody because of the beauty blender. Mm -hmm. 17 are sold every single minute. Yeah. There are 325,000 videos on YouTube by my last count. Mm -hmm. Uh, or I've read that statistic anyway, that use beauty blenders to create makeup. Mm -hmm. So everyone from Kylie Jenner to mommy beauty bloggers. And it's just to myself. Yeah. I I use it every single day. Yeah, exactly. It makes your life so much easier. When you see that little pink sponge shaped like a teardrop, you know, and you can recognize it. And we've seen it so many times backstage at Fashion Week in makeup artist kits, you know, when we're on set. 
Um, it is legit. And before we just had those kind of wimpy white triangle sponges. Yeah. They absorb too much product. They left lines all over your face. You threw them out. Yeah. And the point of different, a huge point of difference with Beauty Blender is that you can reuse it. Yes, absolutely. You can wash it. You can use it up to three months. The other thing that's really unique about it is the fact that you are supposed to use it wet. The tagline is wet squeeze bounce. Yeah. And that's unlike anything we had before. There's There was a little bit of instruction to it. I was guilty of using it the wrong way. I was more like dry, drag, <laughs> hope for the best. Um, You're not I alone. Learned. I learned. And I think there's plenty of beauty blender lovers out there that do use it dry. Their minds are going to be blown when they use it yeah. wet. It's yeah. incredible. You actually can use it dry, but yeah. it's definitely way better to use it wet. And we asked Rianne about that. She's going to explain all later. Yeah. And so this was put into production in 2002 by Rianne. She was working backstage stage on all of these television shows and it was kind of a time when makeup artists were freaking out because high definition television was on the scene for the very very first time but after that you know the little pink sponge took on a life of its own it's won allure's best in beauty like nine times and so what better timing for us to have sat down with Rianne because this week beauty blender is on everybody's feed yeah, because they are launching a foundation for the very first time ever. So cool. Two years in the making, and we were one of the first people to sit down, certainly in Canada, to sit down with Rianne three months ago mm-hmm. and talk to her about this. A lot of people were, I would say, a little bit surprised about yeah. this, about Beauty Blender launching yeah, a, a, foundation. a complexion product. Yeah, I had read that as well. And I think the reason for that question is because a lot of people don't remember or maybe know the pedigree behind the Beauty Blender. The fact that it was created by a Hollywood makeup artist who's been on the scene for more than 25 years. So we are going to tell you that story in this episode. Um, but first let's talk more about the new foundation. Yeah, so it's called Bounce Liquid Whip Foundation. I've been trying it and I have to say the first thing I noticed when we were introduced to it was just this, the mere fact that it was matte because so many foundations have launched this year that have been matte and I feel like we're in this 2.0 phase where it's all about finishes that do more for your skin like you can actually see the contours and planes of your face as opposed to that flat finish yeah Um, of course nobody's talking about that everybody's talking about the shades yes some shade about the shades I will say yeah Um, and I think that there's just there's an expectation now that when you have 40 shades or 32 or however many you have there is a wide range on the spectrum from very, very light to very, very deep. Yeah. And I think when people were seeing it on Instagram and all of these shades laid out, um, by the way, Rianne calls them blends, not shades. I think a lot of people were seeing a whole lot of uh, blends that were in the mid to lighter tones and only about, you know, a handful that were on the darker side of the spectrum. And so we definitely asked Rianne about how she came to choose um, the final blends that are in the collection. I would definitely tune in. Yeah. But to to let you know, it is a premium product. It it retails for $40 US. That's about $52 Canadian. Yeah. And my impression of it, I'm a huge matte foundation wearer. I wear one almost every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, this one goes on like second skin. Um, it is the whipped formula. 
formula that you feel almost like a mousse mm-hmm. when you put it on with your beauty blender, completely seamless. Mm-hmm. It's, it's up to 24 hour wear and it has, um, the really playful packaging. That yeah. is something that stands out right away. It's like a deck of cards mm-hmm. when you hold it in your hand and you do like a little pump and it goes into a, um, a well or a divot that's on the packaging. So you it's can shake like the beauty blender. It's really great branding. Feel like a makeup artist when you're doing it. It's really great. Um, my shade just for reference, um, right now I'm a little bit darker because it's summertime. I was 2.2. I know Jeffrey Star said he's a 1.6. Yeah. I really loved the finish as well. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I think it's worth the price tag. You know, we talked about a lot of these other launches that have happened this year that are offering more shades like 40 and that's fantastic. There's no doubt, but are they all delivering on the performance side of things? I'm not sure, but maybe it's a bit of you get what you pay for. You know, I think in an ideal world, we would get everything. We would get price. We would get shades. We would get performance. Um, but this one for myself, I was able to find a shade, but I'm, I'm also on the pale side where there's a lot of times, a lot of offerings. I I think this buzz online is going to continue and we will be following along to kick it off. What we're going to do is what we do here at Breaking Beauty is serve you up the origin story of that iconic pink sponge. And we're also going to let you know how Rianne got into makeup artistry in the first place. It's all good, baby, baby. Shake it, shake it. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Something pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. It's all good. And if you don't know, now you know, you know. I am Rianne Silva. And I am the owner, creator, and founder of Beauty Blender. So I grew up in Southern California. My mom was a waitress. My dad was an auto mechanic. And uh, they wanted, I guess, a better life for me. So they moved us kind of what would be considered to have been at the time out in the country uh, to a place just outside of Los Angeles, which is now known for the Kardashians, the land of Kardashia, mm-hmm. uh, called Calabasas or Agora in that area. I mean, but back when I was a child and I was there, there was nothing there. Um, yeah, and I just, I had really just an unremarkable childhood. <laughs> I, I was very fortunate for that. Um, and my mother wore no makeup. So it's really ironic that I sit here today with you, being who I am and what my world has been about for the last 25 years. What was your first job? My first job was working in a pet store. Oh, I got cool. to clean the cages. <laughs> Nice. I was a I was a cage cleaner. I loved animals. I really thought at one point I would be a, a, a veterinarian. I, I rode horses. I mean, animals. I was really my mom would get so angry because I would just pick up stray dogs and bring them home. And she'd be like, "Look at mom, this is our new pet." And then the pet would be mysteriously gone and disappeared. He ran away. <laughs> like, where'd my dog go? How did you first get into makeup? Um. Well. Uh, I got into makeup kind of like around the way. I went to FIDM, eventually moved to Los Angeles as, you know, I graduated from high school. What's FIDM. F- what is that? FIDM is the Fashion, Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. Okay. And it was in its inception. I was one of the first classes at the school. And my mom, like, quick in a hurry signed me up she kind of knew I liked clothes and fashion I liked to draw and so she thought well this would be a great way 
for her to actually, I guess, not go to college because they weren't even thinking about college for me, which is crazy because all I'm doing right now is SATs and ACTs, testing for my son to go to college right now, and it's like overwhelming and taking over my half of my brain. They said, mm. you're going to go to fashion design school. So I went to fashion design school, quickly realized I didn't want to design clothing. I was more into the art, so I kind of got more into the fashion illustration part of it. And I needed a job. My mom was saying, you know, we'll pay for your classes, but you have to pay to live. So I got a job at this department store close to the school as a perfume model. You know, the ones that, you know, go around and spray you with perfume. It was like the the worst job to have because nobody likes you. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to be sprayed with perfume. Mm-hmm. You walk towards them with a bottle and they're like, uh-uh, no, no, <laughs> I don't want that. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. I soon realized that this was not the job for me, but I had gotten to know some of the girls in the cosmetic department. And I thought, that looks like fun. I could be doing my art. I could be drawing. I, you know, mm-hmm. not drawing, but, you know, applying techniques or philosophies about color and contrast and all that stuff on people's faces. I ended up meeting a girl who said, hey, I'm going to introduce you to my boss. And, you know, you can do maybe a makeup on her. Maybe she'll hire you. So that was my first step into makeup was in retail. Do you remember what counter you worked Chanel. Mm. Like, I really, like, talked my way into a really good one. Not too shabby. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. What I used to do is travel from store to store, and I would, you know, sell products and do people's makeup. And then I thought, hmm, okay, I like this job. I can do makeup. I'm pretty good at it. Um, How do I make more money? I had moved by this time from my, um, like, student housing into an apartment with a friend that was a makeup artist and I see that she was booking jobs all the time and making money and she could kind of create her own schedule and I thought this is a a great job to try to do only I couldn't do it without a portfolio at the time you needed to have a portfolio of pictures so you know living in Hollywood has its advantages there's tons of photographers and people that you can test shoot with so you know, I by all means necessary, I met people in different arenas, whether it was out of the club at night or at an event or a party. I would just, like, meet photographers and say, hey, I'm a makeup artist. Can we let, whenever you have test shoots, you know, call me. I'll come work for free. Mm-hmm. And, of course, free was the big ding, 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 ding. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I eventually got a book together. And then once I realized once you had some pictures, what that did was it allowed you to actually work in an actual job where you would get tear sheets, mm-hmm. where your, mm-hmm. your work would be published. Mm-hmm. And as you started to do more of that kind of work, you could actually go get an agent. So mm-hmm. I got an agent and I started working That's in the right. music industry, actually. Yeah. <laughs> what was your first big break. I mean, there's some really amazing people I worked with early on in my career, like Tina Marie, Mm -hmm. you know, um, going out on the road with her. I mean, it was during the Motown era, too. I'm sounding like I'm 100 years old, but Motown was around until very recently, and they were, you know, always um, developing new acts, and so I would work a lot with them. There was, like, the good girls and just some acts that you probably never even heard of, Mm -hmm. where I, you know, kind of really honed my skills Life on the road as a makeup artist must be kind of exhausting, right? Um, Yeah, really exhausting. I mean, I've been on some crazy road trips. I mean, I worked with New Kids on the Block for a couple years with those guys. Just, I mean, the makeup was very minimal, but Mm. they did photo shoots and did a lot of press and stuff in between. So you would just travel with them and 
that was crazy. And I took it because that that tour and those guys at that time were the biggest thing, even though they were teenagers. Yeah. There had nothing really, nothing had ever been like that since the Beatles. Yeah. So it was really interesting for me to kind of be in that environment and seeing girls pass out when they see them. And <laughs> like, it was really funny. So you were working with, after that, like Whitney Houston and Tupac. Tell us about actually finding foundations to match the shades of your clients and mm-hmm. how you managed with that. There was a lot of mixing going on. There weren't a lot of um, brands at the time that were creating colors for the darker end of the spectrum. There were very few like fashion fair, some of the ones that were very, very specifically keyhole to darker skin tones, but they weren't always the best texture or quality makeup that you would need. And they wouldn't be the the right skin tones either. So I started very early on learning how to just perfect and mix skin tones. um, Working with like Biggie Smalls, for instance, what jobs would you work on? Oh, well, I I actually worked for Sean Combs. And that's why I worked with Biggie. It wasn't that Biggie would say, hey, I want Rihanna to come do my makeup. (laughs) I mean, that guy doesn't wear makeup, right? He, He wasn't that person. But I would work for Sean Combs. I worked with Bad Boy for... 12 years doing all, almost all of his acts. Um, mm-hmm. And Biggie, of course, was one of them. And um, so they would hire me because I could come in and groom him. I knew psychologically, you know, makeup is very psychological when you're a makeup artist, too. It's about trying to connect with your client and not make them more of whatever they are. Like yeah. if they're stressed or if they're busy or if they don't want you, but they need you. So they treat you like they don't want you. Like all of that. To um, answer your question about Biggie Small, he was very nice. Mm-hmm. He was very sweet. Mm-hmm. He tried to give me a pair of Versace glasses one day and I didn't take them and I wish I would have taken them because it was about a week later that he died. <laughs> he was great. He, he really was a big teddy bear, a big sweetheart. You're creative, you're doing your art. When there was a bit of drama, how did you learn to not take that necessarily personally when you're around all of these big personalities? I always had a reason for being there other than them. So I was a single parent and I needed to make money and I needed that job and I needed that check. So, you know, I would not take things personally because I knew the day would end and I could decide if I wanted to work with them or not again. There are definitely people I worked with once and never worked with again because you just you don't gel with everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. And and makeup is a really intimate thing. Like you're in someone's face all the mm-hmm. time. You see the scars, you mm-hmm. see the faults, and you have to correct all those things. So it's you know, it's a it's a pretty uh, close up kind of uh, career. You know, you you don't have much insulation between you and that person. So tell us about the iconic sponge. How did Beauty Blender come to be? The show was Girlfriends. I don't know if you know uh, the four girls. Tracy Ellis Ross was yeah, one of them. And um, it was one of the first shows that was ever shot in high def. It was when high def was like this new kind of film that was much cheaper to produce. So the, the problem with it, though, is that high def looked different. So makeup looked different on camera. And there were union makeup artists that knew how to airbrush. There were none that were skilled in airbrushing beauty makeup. Usually airbrushing was done for special effects, you know, monster makeup and, mm-hmm. and you know, that kind of application. Um, I happened to be doing a lot of airbrushing at that time. I was perfecting and experimenting with ways to break down makeup and blow it through your airbrush. And 
I was a union member, so I think I was like the only candidate in the union <laughs> that they could hire mm-hmm. to do this job. Anyway, so I ended up coming in and trying to just figure out how to make these four girls all look beautiful all the time. They each had different makeups they wanted, different techniques they wanted. And so it was a a challenge to make them look uniformly natural, young, and beautiful, which they were, but to have that translate on film, on high def. So at the same time, in our union, we have this continued education where you can take classes from other makeup artists that have different experiences, and you learn different tips and trades, trade secrets. So I had taken this class that this makeup artist named Kelsey Fry was teaching, and she was talking about um, the way she accomplished certain looks in a film, and she kind of referenced and dated it back to the original makeup applications of like Max Factor and pancake makeup Mm -hmm. and using a wet sponge to activate Mm -hmm. that dry pancake makeup and you know, how she took that technique and she was experimenting and using it in different films when she had to break makeup down for different, you know, kinds of looks. And and I thought, God, I wonder if that would help me because one of the challenges I was having on the show was I would airbrush all the girls in the morning. They would look beautiful, but by midday or the end of the day, they looked like they were wearing more makeup than they started with during the day. And that was because you couldn't take your airbrush on set and do touch-ups. So you're hand applying all of the touch-ups with makeup like you would have if you were just applying with brushes and what have you in the morning. Mm. And you can't take them off set because if you take one off set, then the other one goes off set and the other one goes off set. And then pretty soon all of them are off set and it's like herding cats and the director's <laughs> mad. And, you know, it's the business where time is money. And so if and you don't want to be blamed for that as yeah. a makeup artist, mm-hmm. you do not want that attention. Mm-hmm. So I started playing with the idea of using damp sponges, Mm -hmm. but then I realized they were leaving streaks. So then I started cutting the sponges into rounded, edgeless shapes to try to accomplish my touch-ups on set that way instead of having to take them off set. So that is really how Beauty Blender was born. Mm -hmm. I came up with this idea. It worked. It was amazing. And I would spend a lot of time cutting these sponges up, and then they would disappear at the end of the day the actors would take them. And I thought, oh my God, okay, I gotta find a way to make them in bulk so that I don't spend now my mornings cutting these sponges. Or, you know, if you're a makeup artist on set, you spend a lot of time just sitting there, so I would just be sitting there and cutting sponges and watching set. How long did it take um, from your initial, when you started working on Girlfriends, till you started producing them in bulk, for Mm, instance? God, it took a couple years. ignorance is bliss you know sometimes when you are excited about an idea and you want to just get it made you start walking down this path and then you realize oh I know why this has never been made before (laughs) because it's not very easy to make so yeah I would go to different you know drug stores or pharmacies or makeup stores around the world and I would pay attention to who was manufacturing and distributing these materials and there was like a common theme that kept popping up the common name and it was this one company in Pennsylvania which was great because it was in the US mm-hmm. where I actually lived and this was you know like I don't know 15 years ago before really Google like there was no way to really like find them you had to like get the number off the back of the package so I called there, just cold called them one day and, you know, asked to speak to somebody in product development and they passed me on to a woman there and, you know, 
Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, I said, hi, my name's Rianne. I'm a makeup artist. I live in Hollywood, and I have this idea for a sponge, and I want to know if you would be interested in looking at it and seeing if you can help me. And the woman on the other side of the, the line of the phone, she said, well, um, that's really nice, but we own over 300 patents and different sponges, and I'm sure we have something that covers your product or what you're trying to make already. So I don't know that we would be interested. And I mean, at this point, I was like, I just said to her, well, if, if that's in fact true, why wouldn't you look at it? I mean, if you already have everything, aren't you looking for new things? Mm -hmm. Like maybe this is something different. So I was persistent. I guess I reasoned with her in a way and she asked me to send it. And long story short, she helped me make it. And she's the president of my company today, so wow. she works for me. <laughs> Tell us about the final prototype, because it's not just a sponge that's been cut into an egg shape, right? Mm, no, so it's, it's the, it is a sponge that's cut into an egg shape, but it's the material. It's the density of the material, the hydrophilic qualities, what happens to the material when it becomes wet, how it expands how it captures, you know, the makeup and essentially like breathes it in and exhales it out. Mm -hmm. That's very different than other materials. Mm -hmm. And uh, is this the only product in the world that uses this aqua activated? Foam? Yeah, this particular foam. Yes, I have an, a very good agreement with this company who started with me and took a chance on me very early on. And I think now we're probably their biggest customer and they do big things. I was like really shocked to hear that recently that hmm. I'm like, no, well, no wonder they're staying true to their word. And what about the color, the prototype color? So the color, you know, was an accident. Um, when I was getting all of these different foam samples from this company, there would be different foam substrates or samples, let's say, that they would send me while we were trying to find the right kind of foam. They would actually be making foam. And, and there ended up being quite a few. I don't think the company thought that it was going to take this long to please me. So they started sending me foams in different colors to help me differentiate from the last mm -hmm. foam mm -hmm. because I would get confused. You mean this is X3925CX? Like, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't know which one that is. Like, yeah. So they started coloring them for me so I could understand whatever foam we were going to talk about. So this pink color was the last foam I got because this was the foam that we ended up making Beauty Blender out of. When they sent me the box with the foam sample in it, there was a note on top with like red writing and big exclamation points saying, don't look at the color, just test the foam. So what color could this be? So I you know, opened the tissue inside, and it was this beautiful, lovely, bright neon pink. And it just it made me really happy. I was like, this is a really cool color. So I started using it, and the foam was amazing. I knew I wanted the foam. And then they said, okay, so what color are we doing? And I was like, we're doing this color. And they were like, you can't do a sponge in the cosmetic industry for this color. They're white, beige, peach. You, you know, you, you can't do this. And I was like, no, I'm, that's, I'm, it's going to be my point of difference. This is, mm -hmm. this is what I'm doing. So that's how I got the color. Amazing. I wanted you to be able to see it across the room. I, mm -hmm. I envisioned my product being on a shelf in Sephora across the room. 
I wanted you to be able to see it and not know what it was. Tell us about your tagline, wet squeeze bounce, and what you're thinking when people tell you that they use it dry. I have mixed feelings about that. On one end, I'm like, oh my God, they're not getting the real beauty of Beauty Blender by using it dry because it's a totally different product. But then on the other side, I'm thinking, yes, there's still people out there that haven't used it. And I still have people that I can convert. Can you just explain to everybody if they've not used it wet before, why you have to or why you're supposed to? Just think of like even like your, uh, you know, kitchen sponge. What are the cellophane sponges that you Mm -hmm. use at home? You know, when they're dry, the moisture softens the sponge and makes it an easy cleaning tool. With this material, when it's dry, like any sponge material, it will suck the moisture up. So if you're putting a wet foundation on your dry sponge, it's not really sucking it up. It's just not letting it go. It's Mm -hmm. kind of holding on to it. Mm -hmm. But when it's wet and it's not thirsty and it's full, the makeup is being distributed and is being pushed off onto whatever you're pushing it onto. Mm-hmm. And that's with the shape of the beauty blender. When you are using a makeup, which I'll show you in a little bit, you're depositing and uh, blending the makeup at the same time. So that's really the big secret of why everybody likes okay. Beauty Blender. How was it juggling celebrity clients, launching a business, having children? It took a village, you know, not to sound cliche, but, you know, it took uh, nannies and friends and lovers and, you know, brothers and sisters and, you know, to help me take care of my child, which pretty much grew up on the set with me and is now the face of my brand for the most part. And um, yeah, and just, you know, a lot of hustling, a lot of hustling and, and not a lot of sleep. Damn right, I like the life I live Cause Jeez. I went for negative to positive And it's all And if you don't know, now you know, you know, you know Just about, um, about your daughter and what she does with the company. Yeah, Erica, my daughter. So... First of all, my daughter, another part of the juggling you don't know about is that she was a child actor, which means she had to also get to auditions and get to actual Mm -hmm. jobs. Um, But thank God, because now she's uh, uh, an amazing ambassador for Beauty Blender and the face of Beauty Blender on Instagram and social media. So the pretty light-skinned black girl that you see always bouncing Beauty Blender around is my daughter, Erica. Mm -hmm. And she also does HSN for me now. I love HSN, but that I'm, it's hard, you know. You have to stay up all night and do shows, and I come in and, and work also. But she, she's so good on camera because she's a professional and she's beautiful and she knows how to do great makeup. And she's been, you know, she used to pack beauty blenders for me when we were packing them in my garage, you know. Aww. So she she knows everything about the brand. So that's yeah. my baby, Erica. Can you tell us about some of the uh, some of the hacks for a beauty blender? Like I I heard you can use it for hair and skincare. <laughs> it's quite shocking sometimes some of the hacks I see <laughs> for beauty blender, but yeah, you can use beauty blender for a lot of things. People use them for hair, like when you're covering gray, yeah. when you're you want seamless blended. Again, brushes leave brush strokes, and brush strokes need to be blended out. So there's no learning curve there with Beauty Blender, which is one of the secrets to the makeup. The same goes for applying hair. I've got 
hair artists that color hair with it and streak hair, cover gray, use it on set when you, you know, are shading a person's uh, hairline. Um, God, creating contours in people's abs so they look like they have six packs, you know, shaping skin. What is your reaction when you see the YouTube videos like people using the beauty blender with a condom? Like, when you were asking me about hacks, yeah. I was a little shy. I was didn't, well, we brought it up this time. I didn't want to just come out and say, oh, the testicle beauty blender is awesome. <laughs> or the yeah, I mean Did you watch that one? Um yeah, of course. Who didn't? I mean I did. I thought it was hilarious. That was uh that was the big one last year. There's a new one this year, but no one saw it on Instagram. It was like a customer service call that came in. Oh. And it's pretty graphic, but let's just say it involved a porn star and a beauty blender. So I'm gonna leave it right there. Wow. Yeah. And and then needing some help. So I'm I'm not saying anything else. And then there's some other crazy clickbait um, about Beauty Blender. Jill, you caught this one. I cut open my Beauty Blender and found a bug inside, but then oh, there yeah. was a disclaimer that it was not an authentic Beauty Blender. No. How do you deal with like those, those headlines? Yeah. You know, we sit there in amazement and we look at them like everyone else, because like everyone else, it's shocking to think mm -hmm. that that could happen. And let me just say, fake or not fake, it's an impossibility for that to happen at all. So when you know this from a scientific perspective, you realize it's someone trying to get attention. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I guess you can't fault them for trying to get attention. It's just the way they try to get attention. Yeah. That's kind of wrong. We wanted to ask you about knockoffs. Beauty Blender was around for many years before we got knocked off. So for us, it was really easy to separate ourselves from the knockoffs because we were the original and we had established that because it's very difficult to make a beauty blender. And anybody that's invested in trying to copy us has to figure it out. And it takes time and it takes money to figure that out. So when I started seeing knockoffs, and I started feeling the material, and I started seeing how, I understood how they were making them, because of course I had to figure out how to make this. So when I started seeing a lot of flat surfaces and straight edges, it was like, oh, they're not really investing in making the product. It's not just that they want to make it a little different. They don't want to spend the money because they don't want to, they want to undercut. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I realized that, I realized that I really have created a category, and I will always be at that top of the category because I'm the creator, because my product is better. Mm -hmm. it, they won't make a product like mine for the most part because they don't want to spend the money. And, you know. You can't make it cheaply. You can't make it cheaply if you make it correctly. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. and you that's why some of them have like rubbery feels mm -hmm. or they have weird shapes because they're trying to disguise a piece that you, like mm -hmm. they're disguising something. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. And it was, was it Avon or something? Was it like, it was like a big brand that tried to replicate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Avon did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Avon did. Yeah. That was, you know, but they, what, what would be the word? They bowed down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they bowed down to the queen. That didn't last very long. <laughs> the OG. The moment about has this. come. We talk about this. It's been 15 years, I think. 15 years from the idea. From the idea. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, and now 
a complexion makeup product. Mm -hmm. So why now tell us about the new product? So it is a lot of years coming, but this August we are launching Bounce and Bounce is first dive into color cosmetics. Yeah. And what, what's special about it? First of all, is the formulation. Um, in the last couple of years, formula, formulations for foundations have become very thin and watery. And I come from a place where I like your makeup to have results, not just matching your color. And a lot of those very thin formulations do not correct the texture issues in your, in your makeup. And I really felt like I wanted to get back to a very luxurious feeling makeup but I didn't want it to be heavy I didn't want it to be you know fragranced I didn't want it to um, I wanted it to be long wear I didn't want it to oxidize like all these things I wanted so that's why it took a long time to make it so this makeup is the culmination of me trying to achieve all of those goals so it's a beautiful texture we have 32 shades it is designed to be used with a beauty blender. So it's like the perfect tool for the perfect foundation. Mm -hmm. And we call it the power couple. Um, it is long wear, like I said, 24 hours. And it's buildable. So it starts out somewhat translucent, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can go back in. And as long as you bounce with yeah. your beauty blender, <laughs> you can go in and build the coverage without needing to yeah. do any yeah. blending. And it it's amazing and it has this velveteen finish which means yeah. that it's uh, it's very matte looking straightforward but say, it's, quite matte. it's very dimensional in the light though if you do this with your with your hand you'll be able yeah. to see where it does pick up the corners and curves of your face uh -huh. you know helping with dimensions so it looks like real skin how did your background as a Latina makeup artist help inform your choices for the shades or blends, as you call them, in this range? I looked at my own kit and I looked at the most, you know, used products that I would use and shades that I would use in my kit. I would, you know, look at my friends, makeup artists and ask them what, you know, if they could have a certain shade that they can't find in the market what would that be mm. and you know they would share that with me I would also try to look at you know what brands have shades that always seem to be sold out or mm. you can't get a hold of so there are various ways mm. that we came about you know from a very personal p perspective from a business perspective from you know reaching out and looking at people in the industry and mm -hmm. seeing what the need was there too. Mm -hmm. too. Do you think it's a little bit easier now with pigments to achieve a really flawless finish in any blend or any shade? Or was it more difficult back then, which is why we didn't see as many? Or why do you no. think this is the moment where we're seeing a little bit more diversity? I think there was always the capability to do it. I think that when you get into shade diversity, you start talking about the business end you would see greater diversity of color in mass market than you would in prestige because the the prestige you know analysis just would show that you know the colors on the darker end of the scale didn't sell those mm -hmm. skews didn't sell as much as other sections of the mm -hmm. color you know wheel so mm -hmm. But I think now what has leveled the playing field is the internet, you know, and the fact that you see people of all walks of life, men, women, children, I mean, grandmothers, everybody is on the internet doing their makeup. So, you know, I think it's impressed the cosmetic, the heritage brands, the, the cosmetic companies to 
take a look at that again and be more inclusive and mm -hmm. add more colors. I think that really ha is mm -hmm. probably more of the driving force than, than anything else. And then you can't take the power away of Rihanna. Mm -hmm. You know, she's a powerful woman in this world. Maybe not so much for makeup in the beginning, but the fact that she's a woman of color and was able to mm -hmm. create a, a line of very diverse colors has also opened the eyes of the big brands to oh, wow, maybe we should do that, too. Even though there were those that existed that mm -hmm. had that wide range of color, it took that moment, I think, in, mm -hmm. in makeup to really make people and business people mm -hmm. aware of that diversity is something to invest in. 80% mm -hmm. of my career was people of color, ranging from Asian, Latin, to black. So... I had definitely Caucasian clients that I would work with, but you know it was a big challenge for me a lot of the time in my career to find these colors. You know, mm -hmm. so now tell us about your shades for bounce. So there's a middle range of color, mm -hmm. and then there's there's a middle there's a middle end range of this particular medium range. Mm -hmm. So you have you know light, you have medium, we call it like medium plus, mm -hmm. and then you have the deep color. So it's that medium plus range that I really paid attention to. We're gonna do rapid fire, really, these are just Quickies, quick fun ones. Catchphrase or expression you're known for? Oh, there it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I don't swear. I don't know. Fuck. Yeah. I say fuck a lot. Love that one. Yeah. Okay, so do on. I. So do I. Um, two beauty items besides your beauty blender that are in your bag right now. Concealer and lip. And a lip, lip gloss. I've got a lot of lip products in my bag. I don't know why, but I, I just end up with a lot of lip products. For every day, just on the go, I like this Dior, um, I don't know what it's called, but it's it's um, it, it's like a universal color. The lip glow? The glow, the yes, glow. that's it. It's yeah, I love that it's thing. I just wear so it all pretty. the time. And yeah. it makes my lips feel moisturized, mm -hmm. and it's yeah. just, I wear that all the time. Yeah, amazing. The show you're binging on right now. Oh, Handmaiden's Tale, the second season. I don't know why they didn't release all the episodes at once yeah. like they did the first season because yeah. I want to watch one after the other after the yeah. other. And now I'm yeah. like, that shot in Toronto. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's such a dark, gloomy little place. Yeah, I know. But I Toronto know. isn't. No, I know. <laughs> Your favorite YouTuber or Instagrammer to follow? Candy Johnson, I love. Mm -hmm. um, and we're friends and... She's just so inspirational to me. She's such a like a little pixie of goodness. Mm -hmm. I just like I like her. I mean, then I then I go to the dark side and I watch Kat Von D and I love her mm -hmm. and I love her personally. We're friends and she's you know yeah. she's so sweet. And I've noticed just from following you on social media that you have a lot of very cool glasses and sunglasses. I do. <laughs> <laughs> what ones are like in your bag or that you just bought that you are dying over? You love got these uh, glasses in Italy by Gucci mm -hmm. and um, I, they're in my Instagram today actually they're like these big thick black aviator glasses with 
like crystals all around them and they fold into like one little thing and oh, I just like yeah they're just they're really amazing you know they're a little much I feel a little bit like Elton John when I wear them but yeah that's okay you know, I love Dita though Dita just like for a fun fact about me like I'm obsessed with Dita glasses D-I-T-A oh, what's yeah. that it's a brand okay from Japan and they're amazing. Like I probably, they, I, I have more of those glasses than I have any other glass. Okay. Final question. Which one should we do, Carlene? Um, something you always travel with. My Sulwasu skincare. Oh. Okay. I will download it into little containers because I, if I don't have space, I just need to always have it. Yeah. That just launched, and now i got to go back and dig it out of the archives and all the products. I, I thought we had it for a while. Uh, like maybe a bit, but I haven't tried it. I it's new. It. It's new to North America. Yeah. I mean, the first time I bought it and used it was in Hong Kong. It's Korean. Yeah. And it's just the most delicious skincare. Okay. You know, there's there's that, uh, Sulwasu, and also uh, the La Prairie Balancing Lotion. I can't live without that. It's okay. like I feel like I'll dry up and become a raisin if I yeah. don't have that. <laughs> Biggest makeup pet, pet peeve. Makeup you can see. Like, I don't want someone to look at me or anybody I've ever worked on, and I certainly don't want to look at someone and say, what is that you're wearing? Like, I just want you to look good. I don't want to be able to specifically see something. Thanks for tuning in. Visit BreakingBeautyPodcast.com for details on all the damn good products we talked about in today's episode. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter. That way you'll get every episode delivered right to your inbox. You won't miss a single thing. Or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast fix. And please show us some love by rating us or reviewing us in iTunes. See you next time. Like a cherry bomb.